Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 50 for subscribers of News of the Day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. And today is Share the Show Tuesday, when we encourage our regular listeners to find someone they think is ready to wade back into the news of the day, maybe someone who's taken a news break for a while, who's sick of the propaganda, or who any of you think is ready to just wake up and take the scales off of their eyes. And what we do is we look at the top stories of the day. We try to understand why we're hearing them. It's not that all news is fake. It's that all news that makes it into the corporate media is there for a reason. And the reason isn't what they tell you the reason is. That's their agenda. What we like to do is pull back the agenda, pull back the propaganda, and tell you the reality of why that story is in the news. Because it does matter why they're putting it in there. And that's what you should be aware of. So even if you just want to drop out of society and grow your chickens... That's pretty much what we want to do, too. But meanwhile, most of us still have jobs. We have teenagers. You live with your mother-in-law. You're going to have conversations about the stuff that is being fed to these people through the propaganda machine. And you're going to want to know what's really going on. And you don't necessarily have the time to sift through it all. And really, there's no reason for everybody to have to go through that brain damage. That's what Brad and I do for you. We sift through that crap and we try to figure out why it's there and tell you because forewarned is forearmed. And I will say some people who listened to our show before this crap lockdown thing happened were more armed. And that mattered. It mattered when you wanted to like have some a couple of bags of beans or a little extra toilet paper or at least know that this was a war and, and not a flood. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a, a hurricane. It was a war. We were saying that from the very beginning. So forewarned is forearmed. And it really if they're going to feed it to us, we should understand why and turn the propaganda on its head. Yeah, we will endure the brain damage. <laughs> The Dane Bramage will be ours. So, so okay, here's a prime example of a story that is being pushed on us that really does not, the official narrative as it is solidifying is absolutely not consistent with the initial reports. And I don't think it's really what you see is what you get. And that is the story of the Travis Scott concert over the weekend. And for me, I don't, even if it were, if it was an authentic story, it might not be as interesting to me. But the fact that I think that, that it is not an authentic story, that there's something more to it. I'm not saying people didn't get hurt or died. I actually think people died. But I feel like, you know, just because it's a false flag doesn't mean nobody's getting hurt. And it's important if they're going through the trouble of making such a big story, there's probably a lot of reasons. So I'm going to I'm going to try to give you an update from yesterday. So if you're a new listener, you can go back, listen to last, yesterday's show. Usually the show takes a, a, a show or two. It's kind of a fire hose. You can't drink out of it right away. <laughs> you might want to go back. Anyway, we do uh, listen to our listeners. And I got a message today from Jared, who's a good friend of the show, who we met at our meetup at Neighbors in Atlanta. He says, uh, hey, Monica, I've got some comments on the Travis Scott story as a frequent concert attendee and mo- mosh pit aficionado. 
quote, incitement of riots, end quote, is an expectation at concerts I attend. I've seen 5,000 people tightly packed suddenly occupy half the space they previously did when everyone rushes the stage. The only death at any concert I've been to was a guy who overdosed on bad drugs. I smell a rat with this story. And I absolutely also smell a rat with this story. I there was a couple of things that popped up today in the news. One was a conversation with a grieving um, dad or granddad who worried anyway, whose nine year old was in a medically induced coma after having been squished at this show. So a nine-year-old was on his dad's shoulders at the Travis Scott show. I don't know anything about Travis Scott. I would not know him from a paper bag. But I was at the Travis, I was at a Taylor Swift concert once, and it was mostly girls younger than my daughter, who was a young teen. And she comes trotting out in a corset and garters. And I was like, what the hell? Like, I wished I hadn't taken my daughter to a Taylor Swift concert. I'm wondering if a nine-year-old is really as appropriate at a place like this. I don't know. But it sounded like Travis Scott's gotten a lot of bad press for having kind of obnoxious uh, concerts in the past. And... um there there was uh, a lot of coverage. I, I mostly listen to Fox News, read Wall Street Journal stuff that kind of gives me a mainstream taste of how the narrative's going, but not as far freaking left as CNN. And one of the things was one of the memes kind of was uh, he can't stop a concert when people are suffocating to death, but he stopped a concert when someone stole his shoe. Now, people were not suffocating to death. The reports have been now. I don't think I think they've kind of put a lid on any of the reports coming out, but that eight people died of cardiac arrest, not asphyxiation. So there is something weird about this. Then they're saying, oh, it's about bad drugs. It's not necessarily about bad drugs. It's about people getting pricked with needles that were had something in them that was hurting them so it's not like people were accidentally shooting up with bad stuff there's something fishy going on here and a lot of the language that i'm hearing is very similar to the january 6th stuff like the kind of terror the unbelievableness of it and um, encouraging people to submit their videos which of course could just be a honeypot operation they want to collect the videos and not let you disseminate them broadly they want the reports especially they're soliciting reports of um fear and panic so this is this definitely follows the pattern i think of january 6th and i have a, a little more to say about it were there multiple people who claimed that they were pricked in the neck? They there was that story of the guard that you mentioned yesterday. And yes, prior to that, the, the reports were that there was someone or multiple people going around the place, injecting people with something. And six people had cardiac arrest. Those were the died of cardiac arrest. Those were the original reports. And they weren't like cockamamie. I was actually hearing them from, uh, I think, kind of insiders. Yeah. So I'm waiting to hear if anybody has any information. But uh, that's what I had. And then I just uh, but I think that this has broader implications for a few things. I think false flags like this always have multiple goals. I laid out some of the possibilities yesterday, but I stumbled upon a Wall Street Journal from this weekend. It's like the weekend edition. It comes out. I think I think it lands on your doorstep on Saturday morning. So it's done by Friday night. The pullout was uh, an entire section titled how the rock concert changed America. So if you have another 
minute and a half, I just want to highlight some of these things from the past. It said uh, it basically pulled the young and the old apart. It segregated families because um, and this kind of thing started with radio in that before that you had to listen to your parents record albums because they were expensive and you didn't have your own turntable. Then radio came out and you could just find a different radio station. Then um, it so it segregated old and young and it integrated black and white. And it also promoted issues that were only interesting to the young. And I would say not necessarily only interesting to the young, but culturally um, uh, uh, revolutionary ideas that didn't necessarily emerge with those young people, but the young people were going to be more vulnerable to it. Then it said, as the rock concert evolved, crowding and violence moved them from outside to inside. And that meant more control, more money and smaller crowds. So I think we're at another crossroads as to what they want to do with concerts. I think they do want to make them smaller. I think they do want to bring in that metaverse virtual concert experience. Um, I don't I don't know any more about that, but I did find a couple of things I thought were interesting in this article I read. There are only two people mentioned by name, Alan Freed in Cleveland and Hunter Hancock in L.A., both in 1951, both bringing the kind of black sound to the white teen in ways like uh, Hancock had midnight matinees. He was inviting teenagers to these huge concerts at midnight. And Alan Freed was like basically uh, canvassing the country to bring kind of soul and black music. And uh, both of them in their wiki articles, and it wasn't connected at all. And the only one who's connecting this because it wasn't in there like that. They were both brought down by payola scams because I thought who were behind these guys at the same time, the same place or different places doing the same thing in the same kind of way. And it sounded very much like the CIA who's been behind a lot of musical infiltration in Russia and Cuba and stuff to change their cultures. We've heard about it in this country, too. I have a book called Roots Rock and Revolution. Anyway, they both came down from payola scandals where the big record companies, the big media companies, as we think of them now, were paying off the DJs to promote this stuff. So it wasn't their idea. These were major um, country change and cultural change agents who were, were the face of it, but not the money behind it. And they still have these kind of payola issues right now where you think that the radio is playing what the radio wants to play. But in fact, this stuff is getting dictated. I think it's no secret to anybody by the guys who promote the music. And that not only has the effect of propagating what they want to propagate, but also censoring what they want to censor. So it's highly curated from the top. You're never breaking through that. And I think it started back here in the 50s. And we might be at, you know, a paradigm shift in in how music affects the culture. And this might have kicked it off. This kicked off a paradigm shift in how they're going to use music to influence and shape the culture. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think that they they now that like social media and the different kind of ways that music and entertainment interact, it became visual with MTV. It's, it's interactive. We saw with the chick, the ghost going to the concert with her friend through some social media outlet, Facebook, that they are, they are, um, metamorphosing the whole live music experience. And I would say from radio, which you know was initiated as a propaganda tool to the rock concert, which was a massive cultural change agent that they are now going to we're going to see a change in how live music is delivered, how it integrates. I mean, we've see, we're seeing it already, but I would say this is them kind of making a leg up. Maybe they're going to eliminate the very large shows. Maybe they don't like the festivals anymore. You know, who knows where it's really going to go. But I just feel like this is a, a momentous occasion in how 
you know, music's so influential, especially in young people when it comes to culture and politics. Yeah, and if you get this metaverse going like they're really pushing, it looks like, then you can go to those big concerts without having to leave your home. So maybe you can get in a virtual mosh pit without having to suffer the consequences, they tell you, of a real mosh pit. And the virtual world has even more control over the artists and the messages that get through. Absolutely. I watched this kid music song that, well, a friend of mine was playing for their baby, a music song. It's just a song, not necessarily a music song. <laughs> a song. <laughs> and everything, you can put anything into these songs and just program these kids' minds. It was like, brush your teeth, brush your teeth, go to bed, go to bed, stab your friend, stab your friend. You can put anything in there and the kid's just going to take it in. And- and when you do it virtually, like if that's where they're headed with this, among other things, you only you're only in those birds of a feather thing. You're not rubbing elbows with some weirdo next to you who is gonna whatever. Oh yeah, you, you can't meet any conspiracy theorist at the concert. Yeah. yeah, no, no crap. I mean, seriously, there there must there it was probably a limited hangout to have this kind of music culture, and now they're they're reeling back the hangout part. You equated it to January 6th a moment For ago. Sure. So we have all these people who are being prosecuted, held indefinitely. There's one guy who the FBI has yet to get their hands on. He's actually on the FBI's most wanted list. It's a California man named Evan Newman, and he has fled the country and is currently seeking asylum in Belarus. Ha <laughs> ha! I had Belarus on my list of stories today and Nicaragua. Yeah. Well, he was charged in March with six federal offenses, including assaulting law enforcement officials, engaging in physical violence in a restricted building or grounds, and in violent entry and disorderly conduct on Capitol grounds. And the FBI said in court documents that he spent hours in the riot, punched a police officer, and used a metal barricade as a battering ram, as they put it. Well, he was tipped off. He was tipped off when the FBI put him on the most wanted list. That's probably a good way to tip people off. This guy on the most wanted list, that, that's kind of a red flag to me. I mean, if what he did, if they say, if he did what they say he did, then it's not good. But still, the FBI's most wanted list. How long is that? It's not that long. It's like 10. At least they do the top 10. I, I mean, yeah, that's what's in the post office. Maybe, maybe there's the most wanted is like everybody. Yeah. So maybe they af- just say it. There's af- most wanted inflation. Right. After he found out that he was on the most wanted list, he sold his home and fled to Ukraine. And then he resurfaced in a report on a Belarus state TV station Bullshit. after seeking asylum. You know, the president there is uh, Alexander Lukashenko. And, but you wouldn't go via Ukraine, which is a U.S. satellite. Well, he was only in, Ukraine is riddled with U.S. spies and right. agents and puppets. Well, he started in Europe. He claimed to go on a business trip per the advice of his lawyer. And then somehow he ended up getting over to Ukraine. And then while in Ukraine, he realized there was some heat maybe getting on him. And this is the best part about the story right here. He said he hiked through the Ukraine wilderness encountering swamps, <laughs> wild boars, and aggressive snakes to the Belarus border where he was detained by authorities and he said he was seeking asylum. He was even interviewed by this news station and he said that he did not do what the FBI said that he did. He said it was a government setup, the whole thing. And, and his first... First avenue of recourse was to go to Belarus. Nice. So I'd like to tell you why Belarus was on my radar today. 
there's there's basically the exact same story on Fox as CNN. So you got to smell a rat with that. And it's that Poland, this is the headline, Poland tries to repel surge of migrants caught up in EU-Belarus standoff. So apparently Europe imposed financial sanctions on Lukashenko for being like a dictator or something. But it, it was we've been covering this for a long time. This came on the heels of mainstream reports that he turned down something like a billion dollars from the IMF in exchange for following in lockstep with the covid protocols. And that was straight out of event 201, where they said, if anybody doesn't want to get in line, you use soft power, you get the oligarchs that you have implanted in these different different countries and you tell that guy it's the economic hitman story so belarus was one of those guys and then as soon as he started acting up like that they wanted to take him down and now they gave financial sanctions you heard that um olympian try to throw him under the bus and now poland is saying of course they say russian is supporting him that he stole the, the vote when he was reelected, all that kind of stuff but i couldn't really figure out what was happening on the border until i read this so poland is saying that belarus is retaliating by pushing people to the border border of Poland to try to get into Poland from Belarus. And it just the story didn't make sense until one little line that was they most of these migrants are from the Middle East and Africa. So the story is that Belarus is letting all the immigrants in and then just like the way supposedly Mexico lets lets immigrants in and then, you know, because the ones that come up through Mexico are like Salvadoran and um, Haitian and stuff like that. So I actually kind of believe it because I think it's something that this Belarus guy would kind of think was funny. And I think they said, look, we just we we let people in and we let them out. Like, what what do you mean? <laughs> but it's well, so racist. Think- like they act like they I'm like, why do they care if people want to come over from Belarus? I, I you know, and this is why. They let the U.S. guy in and they said they let three other people from the U.S. in who are also seeking asylum. I don't blame that guy for running because they're holding people indefinitely. So I I don't blame people for fleeing. But yeah, Belarus kind of almost like they're trolling the United States. And (laughs) yeah, yeah. no, but Belarus, like I actually am fine with that. I would go to Belarus. I'm thinking like, what's a cool African country to go to? I mean, they scare you because they're like mosquitoes will give you AIDS. But I don't know. I knew a black guy who moved to Africa. He's like, it was awesome. I loved it. So now when you look at the Vax chart, I'm like, you know, it's probably cheap there. China's building roads, so it's probably going to, you know, you're going to be able to get around. But and I would buy the Belarus thing. But by way of Ukraine, I'm not buying that at all. Not at all. Yeah, it seems like a strange that place for him to start off. Sounds like a, an, an inside job that January 6th. Maybe they're trying to get other people to flee for some reason. Maybe they're trying to cause people to just start running. Well, maybe that guy's story isn't hasn't been fully written yet. Perhaps. Perhaps they'll extradite him. Or he'll die in a Belarusian prison. It also gives this idea of a domestic terrorist on the run where it's just so bad and they're, they're under the gun so much that they have to flee the country. It kind of heightens his level of how bad he is in the eyes of the media, or at least the way that they can portray because They're trying oh, to portray these guys as evil, yeah, evil fugitives. So the other country that was in the news besides Belarus that I totally thought was going to get targeted not because it's got a dictator but for two other reasons one is it was at least in some parts not super covid lockstepy and in the other way i've been saying since the very beginning of biden that i do think china's rising as the world you know the biggest 
superpower, whatever, but that the U.S. will get more assertive as the regional hegemon of the Western Hemisphere. So it'll kind of go back to being the watchdog of South America or or controller or whatever. So uh, so I've been I, there were a couple of articles about Nicaragua right in the Wall Street Journal, maybe over the weekend and today. There was a vote, so Ortega got reelected. Of course, the U.S. says it's a complete sham. It says, here's a couple of headlines, Nicaragua veers to dictatorship as president holds election in the in that the U.S. calls a sham. Then it tells you this. Here's the killer of that, the tell. Political repression could spur new waves of migrants to the U.S. Okay, so you got a couple of things going on. Same thing with Afghanistan. We got a, a bunch of migrants in from there. And yes, maybe they're disruptive. I don't know. I don't know who they're letting in. But that is your first sign that we're setting up a story to justify involvement there. And the other thing is, uh, this is really goes to the bigger picture. I think the other headline in the journal recently or today, yesterday was Nicaragua's shift towards dictatorship is part of a Latin American backslide. So now we've got this idea, uh-oh, those guys are getting out of line. It says, Ortega's victory is the latest evidence that the region's democracies are unraveling amid waning U.S. influence. So when we don't, if we're not interfering all the time, terrible things happen, uh, you know, it's super scary. It's going to, they're coming here too. They're coming here. They're coming over the wall. And that's, this is a setup for messing with their government and, um, maybe even entering those countries. And you, and you can see it all over the place down there, all over the place, all the way, even including the Caribbean. Yeah. And you pointed out Nicaragua was under the gun a few weeks ago and stories been just- popping up ever since then. Yeah, exactly that day. It was like somebody said, hey, join me in Nicaragua. I was like, sure. And then all of a sudden, it's like Nicaragua, bet. Because of the vaccine, the way they were handling the vaccine. Oh, everything, the mask, the lockdown. And I'm not sure about in the city, but in where in the beautiful beachy places, they were like, yeah, no, no, no worries here. I've wondered since this mandate stuff began about how they're going to enforce it. How are they going to enforce these mandates for people and for companies that do not want to comply? Well, we might have an answer to that question uh, out of the AP today. Whistleblowers. That's what they're going to rely on is whistleblowers. OSHA just has 1,850 inspectors that are going to be overseeing. They're responsible for enforcement of going around and checking the companies, making sure they're you know, doing what they're supposed to do or what the mandate says they're supposed to do. They only have 1,850 inspectors and they will be overseeing 130 million workers at 8 million job sites. So according to experts, the agency, if they want it to succeed at all, must rely on whistleblowers inside of businesses to rat out people who are not wearing masks, who aren't vaccinated or who aren't doing regular test. So it's going to be employees on the inside, but not just the employees on the inside. It's going to be the workers unions, the former OSHA. Oh my gosh. This is exactly like the workers union stuff is really starting to come into a clearer picture of what their role is. Yeah. The workers. I'm totally convinced that the unions are there to control the workers, just like HR. That's amazing. And in New York, when they passed the smoking laws, they always tried to do stuff like that and nobody would pay attention. But then they started to fine 
the restaurant owners and the bar owners and anybody around could call the cops on you. That is exactly how they did it in New York. And I would say I had friends who didn't like smoking. They were like, "Yeah, it's good. I was like, really, wait till they come for your coffee, you know, and now it's like, wait till they come for your veins. I mean, that's just nuts. Absolutely. And the current chief of OSHA said that the agency is going to be focusing on job sites where workers need assistance to have a safe and healthy workplace. And this comes through in the form of a complaint. So this is him putting out a call when you continue to read the article, a call. You see something, you say something. All you have to do is fill out a complaint. We will be there. And of course, the question comes about retaliation. And OSHA is currently, they are suing a company in Texas after it's claimed that they got rid of somebody for speaking out against unsafe working conditions related to the coronavirus. So that is going to be really the only protection people have. I suspect that in the coming weeks, we're going to hear more about how whistleblowers on the inside are going to be protected for ratting out their companies. But I also think that it's impossible for them to do this at all if all these companies realize they have no chance of enforcing this with a small amount of enforcers that they have. The entrepreneurs may get activated. Entrepreneurs. This is also what they've been training people for over the course of the past year and a half or so with a January 6th thing, see something, say something, with a Gabby Petito, see something, say something, the domestic terrorism. Now people are trying to get people ready. See something, say something was one of the the 9-11, like the, not 9-11, but like it was a regular Islamic terrorism, I guess, thing for the longest time. I mean, that see something, say something has always been chilling and it's been around for, I mean, I'm saying at least five years, more than five years. And, it, and this is the whole slippery slope that libertarians don't, you know, always warn about. So, but there's still more. For us to talk about, we have a, a another big story of the Free 30, the interesting tax credit that's in the Build Back Better bill. I'm interested in hearing about that for sure. And uh, But before we get to that, I want to tell you what you're going to hear about in the XR. Can science turn what you think into words, even if you don't? And... It's not atrocity propaganda. It's the opposite. And I actually have a bonus story that we didn't get to in the free 30. It seems like Texas is getting an idea from ANCAPS on how how to address the immigration problem. I'm going to tell you about that, what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong. But first, a big thanks to True Hemp Science, truehempscience.com. I Love those guys. I met them at Childerberg. I talk to Chris regularly. I get amazing, amazing stuff from him. Fun, a variety of things. They address so many, I would say, concerns that I did not have before COVID. They, if you are familiar with CBD products, I can tell you that this guy has the absolute best. I mean, I, I defy anyone to demonstrate to me that he does not have the best products out there. I get lots of feedback that the stuff is great. He is great. There's a variety of things. Um, People use CBD products for inflammation issues, for anxiety, to feel rested, to not worry, to, I mean, there's something about it. It's not it's not THC. It's actually a counteractive thing. It's really, it's, uh, it's just unique. It's like a God's gift to man. I always think people who object to gun laws... I feel like, how, you know, gun control, like how can you, how can you support 
anyone limiting hemp, which was God's gift. And then when you do start messing around with it, they just weaponize it anyway. But this isn't THC. It's not even mind altering. It has a lot of uses, both when you ingest it and also like the effect it has on your skin, the lotions, the muscle rub, the soothing balm. I really get a lot out of it. Binkley likes, uh, even likes the, the vibe, the t-shirts, the hat. Did you get your camo hat? Oh. No, I didn't. You're getting a camo hat. Oh, I can't wait. It's super cool. I, I love their shirts. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so anyway, I love it. I don't, I, I don't even know if the things, everything that I get from Chris is always on the website. So I always just call him and you're welcome to call him. And I wouldn't be surprised if you tell him your propaganda report listener, if he throws in like an extra goodie or two. So please go to truehempscience.com. And uh, let them know the Propaganda Report sent you because the reason he supports the show is that he loves the show. So if you love the show to support him and if you love the show, support us. One thing that we have really been putting a lot of effort into is making sure that the entire DNBXR is up on Rockfin every day by 6 p.m. So if you're a Rockfin subscriber, you go to Rockfin every single day at 6 o'clock and you will hear this show. But we have a bonus on Thursdays. If you go at six o'clock Eastern, you're still going to find it on Thursdays. But if you go at four o'clock, you can watch it live and you can interact with us. We're going to um, try to at least take a question or two at the end of the show. So it's really a full hour of live DNB on Rockfin on Thursdays. And then we always have something special on Friday, an interview, a deep dive, often both. And uh, it's just really worth checking out. Plus, you get all of the other content of all of the other creators there, exclusive content, Rockfin only content, free content. It's really an amazing, amazing deal. And so far, they totally embrace our genre, which they call the free thinkers. So please support us through them. And uh, anything else that you uh, like about us, you can go to thepropreport.com, shop, donate, whatnot. And with that, on to the last story of the Free 30. Okay, so the Build Back Better bill passed a procedural vote last Friday. It still has another hurdle to get passed, but there's an interesting tax credit for an interesting group, which is local news journalists. See, the latest version of the Build Back Better Act which came out last week, includes tax credits for local outlets for employing journalists. Under the bill, employers would get a credit against employee taxes for local news journalists. It would provide a credit of $25,000 to defray employment taxes in the first year and $15,000 in the next four years. So $25,000 for the first year, $15,000 for the next four years for each employee. That would cover 50% of the compensation, up to $50,000 in the first year, and 30% in the next four years. And the language defines local news journalists as someone who works not less than 30 hours a week and who lives within 50 miles of the outlet's local community. It would apply to print and digital publications as well as broadcast stations. However, you have to be a qualifying publication or a qualifying broadcaster. Those details... Oh my gosh! Who decides? That is what I'm curious about. Who decides? <laughs> how do you qualify for it? Because this seems to me like just another one of these initiatives where they are funneling money to local organizations in order to control the messages from top to bottom while making it look like the messages are coming from the local communities. That comes from two different sources that you've brought to us. 
a long line of probably a hundred years worth of propaganda thinking is about that kind of feeling of stereophonic, you know, or different directions where you get that propaganda as if it came from different places. And it also reminds me of a recent Rockfin clip that you played for us of the CFR chick who was curating local journalists to her way of thinking. And I feel like this is part of a obviously wide scale effort. They do that on a regular basis. Once every couple of weeks, they have these CFR meetings where they have local journalists watch and participate and they just tell them how to report and what to report. I mean, the wires are like that. There's the journalist resource website. There are different places where you don't realize journalists go to make sure they're, they're prioritizing the right stories there. And it's like a laziness thing. That's why when we were on the radio, it was, took so much more work for us to put a show out because we rejected that low hanging fruit and we had to not only do our own research, but defend it. All right. Well, you guys can find your drive time news blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform of the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content that Monica told you about, you can find it at rockfin.com slash propaganda report. You can also check us out at <laughs> patreon.com slash propaganda report. We will talk to you all in the DMBXR for tomorrow. Have a fantastic rest of your day.